Peter calling to remembrance said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering saith unto him, Have faith in God. You may be seated. I am uh, <clears throat> always amazed when I read this. I've read it many, many times, but every time I read it, I just, uh, I, I, I think it's, uh, to me, it's one of the strangest, or one of the stranger, maybe I should say, events of the whole Bible, because Jesus takes and curses a fig tree because it does not have fruit on it. And yet the Bible makes it very plain that it wasn't really the time which it ought to have fruit. Now that's, that's kind of a strange thing, isn't it? But what Jesus was doing, he was leaving this as an example for our lives. Because it appears that most people are not productive simply because they are waiting for another time. Now, we know the fig tree was not dormant. Uh, deciduous trees, and the fig tree is a deciduous tree, it loses its leaves in the wintertime, and it goes into a sleep, a dormant, see? It had many, many leaves on it, it just didn't have figs on it. It wasn't time for it to have figs. And Jesus curses this tree and said, No man will eat of the fruit of this tree forever. Boy, that's a forever. Sounds pretty final, doesn't it? This is the end of it. Now, when they when they found the tree later, it was withered and dried up and dead. Now, it was not in a sleeping situation then. I mean, it was gone. It was dead. So you couldn't call the tree at that time a tree that was in its dormancy. Now, <clears throat> we do have trees that we call evergreens that do not leave, leave, lose their leaves. <laughs> they stay green all year long. <clears throat> I don't know if you've noticed, but we put some evergreen trees out around the garage out there. You notice that? And then we took the trees out front. There were five trees over there. And we took two of them out, left three, put one of them out by the, the big fir trees, spruce trees, I think, put one of them out by the garage and one of them up closer to the to the garage. And we did that because we want to create kind of a windbreak. Now, it took me a long time to dig these up and move them. I didn't have much help. So <laughs> you, have to, you have to dig out a big dirt ball about the size of the piano, about that deep. And I'll tell you, it, it was it was quite a job. Uh, oh, by the way, I really didn't do it. I was just joking. We we had a man that came in with a big truck, and and he had this big jaws that you know just like a clamp went down and just picked it up and took it out. And then of course he took a bite out of the earth, brought the plug back and put it back where the tree was, put the tree in that one. He just transferred the plugs around and uh, we had a we had a very very interesting day watching this man because he got out around the garage and had a lot of rocks and things and didn't know if he could get them all out but 
we did do this transplanting. But we put the trees where we did, around, around the front out here, that one tree, create a windbreak. Now you could put a deciduous tree there that, that becomes quite dormant in the wintertime. It wouldn't serve much as a windbreak because all the leaves are gone. Now what I want to talk about tonight is dormant Christians. Christians that go into this deep sleep. They're not dead. But they still have the Holy Ghost. But they just seemingly are not getting the best out of their life with God. Just seem to be floating from service to service. You ever caught yourself doing that? Prayer meeting to prayer meeting. Just coming to church just to be coming to church. Now, <clears throat> I wanted to get up tonight and lead in some worship and and conduct the service. I don't do a lot of that anymore, and I really enjoy doing it. And I, so I wanted to sing a couple of courses, which I did with you. I really enjoy doing that. I think sometimes we get too much in, in a rut, you know, just doing the same old things over and over and over. And then we heard the testimonies of a few people here tonight, just very precious testimonies. How God spared them. Sister Giselle talks about God sparing her. Sister Lyndon Neeson talks about how God just spared her. Sister Bryant talks about how God has kept her. Sister Hop talks about how God, on a daily basis, just keeps her. So she just trusts in the Lord. She don't need to stand up all night and worrying about because she knows God's there. And then we had Sister Michelle who tried to testify and cried a lot. It was a very, very precious testimony, though. She talked about her pregnancy. You know, pregnant ladies always like to talk about it. You know, it's, it's one thing, you know. Don't ever ask a pregnant lady how she's feeling. Unless you're willing to listen for a while, you know. But but she told all about this, and I, I do remember when Sister Michelle and Brother Fred talked with me and told me some of the complications that the doctor had forewarned them of. They wanted a child. A child is to be born within two weeks. And many, many, many of the complications that were predicted, God has just kept her. Now, I said all that to say that I, I think sometimes we need to do something different, hear something a little different. Because we can just, you can really get in a rut, you know, serving God. You can get a rut in your services. Now, it doesn't mean this service is any better than the rest of them. doesn't mean that. But, but sometimes you just have to kind of change your plan of action. Because you just do the same old thing until it just gets routine. Now, I love the routine. And I, I think that, that uh, there, there are certain things that you do on a regular basis that are extremely necessary. So you, you should start every day out in prayer. So you should have a routine time of prayer. And, and you don't want to break from that because it just would not be right. But uh, 
I, I like to do things a little bit different. Now, I'm going to be talking tonight about running your life by principles. And that has more to do with routine than anything else. But there is a difference between a rut and just a routine. You know, a rut is just kind of a, a grave with both ends checked out. You, you follow what I'm saying? It's a, it's a predetermined path. It's like a railroad track. You know exactly where the turns are, and that's where you're going. And, and you're never led by the Spirit. And I will say, in order to be uh, a Christian who runs his life by principles and not by feelings, that, that, that you have to be led by the Spirit. Because if you're not, guess what happens? The flesh takes over. You end up doing what your flesh tells you that you need to do. Now, there are certain promises that are found in the Bible there have been prophesied about, and there are certain principles. Now, the principles, and I've explained the difference between a promise and a principle. God says it's going to be this way. That's the way it's going to be. There are certain principles, however, that you follow after. The book of Proverbs is full of principles. Now, that doesn't mean that in every case it turns out exactly the way that uh, is stated. Now, you may say, are you saying... No, what I'm saying is that there are exceptions. In other words, you may go through a particular time in which you have to, uh, you have to kind of uh, evaluate things and you have to pray. And, and, you know, you go through a Job-type struggle or trial. Now, many of you are doing that right now. I've talked with some of you, some today, some yesterday, some Sunday. Uh, quite a few of you are going, going through these these particular uh, trials. Now the thing about it, though, you continue to live by the the principle of the scripture. If you live by the principle of the scripture, then 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 your life will normalize in time when you have gone through that deep struggle or that trial or that test or whatever it may be. Now. Uh, I, I think that we need to understand that, that when, when we look at principles, that there, there are exceptions to the rule. Now, the exception to the rule means that, that, that somehow, as I'm explaining it, to me that's what it means, that, that you could insert into that principle a particular time frame in which there may be a variable from the predicted outcome. Because we, we see that throughout the Scripture. You know, we... We find, uh, well, I mentioned Job. I don't think there is a better example than, than Job, who was a, a perfect and an upright man. And, and, you know, you can't get a whole lot better than that, can you? And so he was doing everything that he ought to do and everything that he knew to do, and yet uh, following the, all the principles of, the, uh, of God, I almost said Scripture, most people agree that Job was, the first book of the Bible written, so he really didn't have a Bible. So he was following the principles of God and inserted into his life was that time frame in, in, in which he had to draw on the resources of God. That, that was extremely important. But he continued to follow the rules of that particular principle. And you know, <clears throat> I, I'm just, uh, I, I, I just, 
I, I really like to see people blessed of God. I, I don't know of anything that brings me more satisfaction as a pastor than to see people blessed of God. Now, there are people who momentarily, it appears that they're not blessed of God. I think you have to be extremely careful uh, in, in analyzing individual situations that, that you really don't know anything about because you don't know what's going on in an individual's life. Uh, I have talked with people that have uh, enlightened me concerning situations that, that had happened that, that gave me a deep understanding of what they were going through. And before that time, you know, uh, as a pastor, I, I cared, I, I, you know, I, I, I prayed, I, I, I thought, well, maybe something's not right in their life. Maybe I need to talk to them. And I find out later on that they've been praying and seeking God. I, I remember uh, uh, one brother, here, here's another thing you have to watch, you know, I, uh, this, this is going to be pastoral tonight all the way, okay, so. Uh, I, you, you should ex expect some of these tangents that I'm going to go off on. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, there, there's one thing that, that, that you have to be careful about, and that is uh, how you approach people and pray for them. That's, that's extremely important. You know, sometimes at prayer meetings, truthfully, when, I, when I'm in, you know, a deep uh, thought and intercessory prayer for someone, uh, you know, you'll have a brother that'll come up, and uh, the brother will be just so excited about God and about Jesus and everything, and will start laying hands on you and praying for you. And and that deep intercessory prayer that you're in, it's, it's almost like it just puts a stop to it, puts it on hold. You follow what I'm saying? And we hear you're praying for this soul, and 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 I remember going to a, a, a convention here in the state, and some well-meaning saints of a church, uh, they saw me praying, and I was, I was praying about a situation which one of the pastors had shared with me, and it was not a situation which I could just, you know, walk the floor and, and pray about, because it was quite a confidential thing, so I get over on the side of the platform over in this area, and I'm, I'm pointing over here, because it was the side of the platform was in that church, and here I'm praying about this. And this group of saints saw me, and they were prayer warriors, and they come up and lay, they lay hands on me, and they started praying for me. Well, I had to stop praying about what I was praying about. <coughs> now, these words are not meant to be, uh, uh, to discourage anyone from praying. It's just, you should be a little bit selective and discreet. That, that's what I'm talking about. In other words, be led to the Spirit. So here I'm praying, and here they came, you know, like a mighty army. So <clears throat> they detected, see, that I wasn't as fervent as, as most people. Well, I wasn't as fervent as most people were that morning in prayer. It was early morning prayer. And the reason why I wasn't because I wasn't going to be advertising my prayer. So they took it that, that something was wrong. So they came up and laid hands on me, and they started rebuking the devil that had come. And they said, Lord, we rebuke this devil that come to disturb our superintendent. Listen, I didn't feel a devil in the house. <clears throat> but, but uh, I mean, really, I'm serious. And they said, Lord, we pray right now the power of God would rest upon him. 
You know, Lord, we need a strong spiritual leader in the state of Wisconsin. <clears throat> well, about that time, I got feeling a little bit bad about that, you know. <clears throat> and they said, oh, God of heaven, refill him with the Holy Ghost right now. <clears throat> One of them whispered in my ear and said, Brother Grant, God can give you the victory. He's given us the victory. <clears throat> well, you know, the polite man that I am, I just kind of played the game along with him. But, but truthfully, you know, I, you're talking about making me feel like some kind of a heel or something, you know? <clears throat> I mean, they, they put all kinds of phrases and adjectives and things, you know, and I got to feel like, you know, that at least they didn't think I even had the Holy Ghost. And, 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 and you know, sometimes you, you can just get beside yourself, and you can you, you can you can kind of you can miss a few things. You follow what I'm saying? You really can. You, you can miss miss a few things. And I remember a brother in our church that, that came to me. He was crying, and, and he said, "You know, we had a and this this happened here in this church, and and, and uh, I have not talked with." Uh, anyone about this, so if you're the person involved, if you hear it, you probably hear it for the first time, but, but you need to hear it. I probably should talk with you privately about it, but it happened a long time ago, and quickly just let my mind come back to me. But uh, this brother was saying that uh, he was down praying, and this brother came up and laid hands on him and started uh, uh, praying, and then he started talking to him. He said that he felt that God, that he should tell this, this brother that he needed to be praying more, and he needed to increase his prayer life. And, you know, it wasn't too encouraging. So this this brother that had been prayed over came to me and said, Brother Grant, I've got a lot of faults, but I will say this. I think he told me in 13 years, I think he said, I have not missed my daily morning devotion, not one time. And he said, this, 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 this I felt so defeated. I felt, I felt so out of it. He said, I've got a lot of faults, but there's one thing for sure that I can say. In all the years I've been serving God, I have not missed one morning prayer. In fact, I get up every morning at 530 and I pray for one hour. And so I have, I have not failed to call your name, Sister Grant's name, all the leaders of that church in prayer. But you can understand what this, this, this did, you know, to, to, the, to this man. Now, what I think that uh, I, 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 I must address tonight and that is that there is a vast difference between between being blessed and being anointed. Now, sometimes uh, what we do, we get them a little bit confused because when we think of of an anointing, we think of someone that has fervency, somebody that you know that that's really you know belching it out, you know, somebody that's really you know on fire. But there are people that that in a, in, in a quite a passive way. Uh, they they have uh, the blessings of God resting upon them. Now, naturally, I I want to emphasize the importance of being anointed of God. I, I think that that you know there is no compensation. But on the other hand, there are, it, it is possible to be anointed and not be blessed. Now, let me just explain what, what I'm talking about. Samson was a man who was mightily anointed of God. But he wasn't blessed of God. 
Now, why was he anointed? Because he believed God in special times. This little spurt, so to speak. To get himself and, and a few other people out of trouble. And, and you know, you know full well that, that, that uh, it, it is possible for you not to be living up to the fullest of your potential and somebody seeing somebody that needs the Lord and you start testifying and, and uh, giving them uh, some of the word and all of a sudden you feel the anointing of God. You know how that works? If you really feel that. And, uh, you, you know, it, it is easy for people then who get anointed to feel that because they're anointed that this is God's approval upon their life. But when you're anointed of God, that means God is approving what you're doing at that moment. But when you're blessed of God, it means God has put his approval upon your life. The way you live day by day by day. See, and, and there is a difference. Jacob, for example, was a man who was anointed of God. Joseph was a man who was blessed of God. Uh, all of these examples that I'm, there, there are moments in which they were not only anointed but blessed, or not only blessed but anointed. But, but Joseph, because he lived his life by principles and not by feelings. And he, he went down to, uh, to the household of the Egyptians and in Potiphar's household. When nobody was looking, he refused a sexual encounter with Potiphar's wife and she tried to seduce it. He refused it. The integrity is measured by what you are when nobody sees you. See, there are certain things that, 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 that can only be measured under certain circumstances. Loyalty, for an example. Loyalty can only be proven in adversity. In other words, for me to prove that I'm loyal to my wife, if, there, if there's not a circumstance that ever arises to call my attention away from her to somebody else, that's not real conclusive evidence of loyalty. Now, I may be loyal, but I'm talking about proving that loyalty. You follow what I'm saying? Or your loyalty to your friends, or to your church, or to your pastor, or your spiritual leader. It can only be proven in adversity. Now, you may be a loyal person, but what, how do you react when something comes by, some circumstance that would kind of pry you away and make it convenient for you, kind of drop your guard? You follow what I'm saying? I mean, if you have a good friend, you should not betray that friendship by dropping your guard when circumstances are favorable and just start blasting that person. There's some people that have character weaknesses. You know, it seems like God gets them, but they never get God. Or they get God rather than God never gets them. I reverse that. You, you follow what I'm saying? And, and there's some people just have this character flaw that, that, that when they feel that it, that it, it that, 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 
things are are obscure enough, hidden enough that that they can do what they want to do, and and and, and they will be blessed. And that's not true. So Joseph, without scripture, Joseph, without anything other than just his integrity intact, when he could have had an adulterous affair with part of his wife. He would not. The Bible says this about Joseph in the book of Genesis. It says Joseph's branches ran over the wall. Now that, that simply means that, that Joseph was a fruit-bearing tree. And even while he was in captivity, God, because he was a fruit-bearing tree, allowed his branches to run out over that wall so that the strangers could come by and find food in his life. In other words, you cannot hide productivity. God will bring it to the surface. You can't put a blessed person down. God will bring them to the forefront. See, that, that's just the way that it works. But you see, the thing about it is, uh, Joseph, uh, he, he followed the instructions of his father. And, and, uh, and the great men of God that, that, you know, had left such a legacy for him, he, he, he just followed that. I, I, I think so much about following instructions. Today, a little situation came up which Charlie and I were talking about. It had, had to do with vehicles. And, and I'm just going to insert this little, little humor story. Several of you know about this. But I remember when we were on Milwaukee Street and we had this short international bus. Do you remember that short international bus? It was about a 24 passenger, maybe a, maybe a 28 or something like that. Brother Felix Crowder was the primary driver of this bus. And one day he turned into the driveway at the church and it went dead. I mean, just like that. And I mean to tell you, we, we tried everything. We couldn't start it. We had to pull it up in behind the church, and we tried, and we tried, and we tried, and we tried. Finally, a mechanic came by, pulled the distributor cap off, and he said, uh, well, the, the rotary's not turning. There's something wrong with it. So Brother Crowder asked him what to do, and Brother Crowder ended up taking the distributor out. Now, if you know anything about... Uh, uh, a four-stroke engine. You know, you don't just pull the distributor out and just, you know, you got to know what you're doing. Well, I wasn't for sure that Brother Crowder did, but he already had the thing apart. And when he took it apart, he found out that there was a bolt, a three-eighths-inch bolt. That's the diameter of the bolt. was about three-quarters of an inch long. Had was down in the distributor. And every time that distributor turned around, that bolt was pointed toward that shaft, and, and it it acted just like a, a current lady. It just cut that shaft in two. And uh, probably it was in there from the factory. That's all we can think because there's no bolt inside that distributor that day. You know, just a tiny screw. Cut it in two. Well, for the crowd that went over to Eastside Auto, and he got a new distributor. He brought it back and put it in there. It wouldn't run. He couldn't get it going. I thought, well, Brother Crowder doesn't know how to work on this. Uh, I asked him a few things about did he have it in time and he kind of gave me a blank stare which led me to believe that <coughs> it really wasn't in time. So 
<coughs> I thought, well, the nearest garage is right down the street over here behind uh, Country Kitchen. And I don't think there was a Country Kitchen there then. We'll take it down there. So <coughs> he got it where it would, we could start it. But it, uh, it ran to the backfire. I knew it was out of time. It's out of time, but you got something's wrong. Well, he, he said, I, I've done all I can do. I thought, well, I'll get it down. Well, Brother Crowder followed me, or I followed him, I think. I think he was driving. We pulled it in, and the said, oh, no problem with that. We'll get that fixed for a while. So, well, we need it Sunday. It's like Friday, you know. So Saturday rolled around. I gave him a call. He said, you know, I, I pulled it out. It seems to be right. I don't know what's wrong with it. So... He worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. Uh, I called him back Saturday night. No, can't run that bus. Can't get started. Well, Monday, started work on it. And Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Called him back said, you know, I'm going to have to put a new distributor. That's the wrong distributor. Oh, great. So we get another distributor. But it wouldn't run. And then, now, this had an international 345 cubic inch engine, and that doesn't mean a lot to most of you. Super doesn't mean much to me either, but I just remember that side of it. So, <laughs> that makes this story long, you know? <coughs> so you won't forget the point, right? Well, he worked and worked and worked. He put new, uh, a new carburetor kit in it. He put new uh, spark plug wires, everything. And it wouldn't run. Finally, I went over and I said, look, we got to have that bus. It's been here two weeks now. He said, well, Pastor, I'm sorry. I cannot get it there. I thought, now, to drive this bus away from a, a, a garage. So I talked with a man of the church, and one man of the church said, oh, I know where they can fix it. I know a man that he can fix anything. I mean, he's a, and so I took it to, to a, a truck garage. They only work on trucks. And uh, Brother Crowder followed me over there. You talking about backfiring? I'm telling you. We got down close to far where Farmer Fleet is. We taken over close to Monona Tire, and and that thing started backfiring. I thought, Oh Jesus, Lord, he's gonna blow them up with all this thing. And then it sounded like a cannon going off. We drove it in there. And the man said, Oh, it's out of time. No problem. So he took it and worked on it and worked on it. Called me and said, I'm going to have to call someone from the International Garage out in Verona. So someone from the International Garage in Verona came. And they worked on it. Worked on it. Called me up and said, you're going to have to come get it. I said, well, <laughs> how's, it, how's it going? He said, it's not. He said, I don't know what's wrong, but I can't fix it. And I got over there, and he told me, he said, now, the bill is, I didn't tell you this, the bill at the first garage was like $345, and I got the second garage, it's like 575 And I said, what's well, as much as we gave for the bus? You know, it's, it's, he said, I can't help it. I called the Justice Department, the state. I said, well, you know, why should we put all this stuff, this money under this if it won't even run? Now, now it wouldn't even start. This man said, listen, I have pulled the timing chain off. I took the cams out. I did everything. Oh, no. 
You know, he said, I, really, he said, I've done, I had to take the radiator out of it to get, get the timing chain off the front, and he went to so I called the Justice Department and they said, no, it's a vehicle that's over 9,000 pounds or something like that, and so there's no state regulation, you know, involved in this, so whatever he charges you, he charges you. They don't have to give estimates. Well, I had to call Don Towing. I brought the bus, put it behind the church. Now you look at me. I'm not a mechanic. I know where the engine is. And I don't know a lot. I was down praying, and I said, now, there can't be. I mean, if people can build one of these things from new, and this thing can run, if it can run all these miles, and, and there's nothing nothing wrong with it, there's, there's, that, that can be fixed. You can't tell me. And you know what I did? I went down to the library, the main branch of the library. I went in, I checked out an owner's manual, you know, a, a service book. I went up to the desk. I, I didn't check it out. I just got it. I went up to the desk, and I asked the lady if she could run me three or four copies of the pages on how to uh, tune this thing up. And so she she ran those pages for me. I brought them back to church, but a church locker came in. He was in charge of our bus ministry. And he said, Brother Grant, you don't think that you can go out there and fix that, do you? And I said, well, I, I know one thing. It's worth a try. He said, yeah, but the, the Verona International Garage can't even fix it. I said, yeah, but somebody made this thing run. I mean, there, there's a reason why it runs, and there's a reason why it won't run. So <clears throat> I went to the altar, and I took those instructions, and I, I laid them out, and I put my Bible down. I said, now, Lord... The Bible is the manual of life. If I follow it, everything's going to be all right. Now, I don't know who put this manual together for this bus or this engine, but there are engines like this all over the road running. Now, I think if I can follow this, I must that they run. <laughs> You know what I did? I went out there and I pulled the distributor out. I took all the the, the, the spark plug wires off and everything. And I went step by step. I put the distributor in. I found out one thing unique about this. It says in there on the 345 engine that you tune it from the number eight cylinder, not number one. When I read that, I thought, oh. At any rate, I set that in there. I set the point gaps on it. You know, I checked to make sure it was on the compression stroke when I put it in on number eight cylinder. I wired that thing up. I took the plugs out and set the gaps right. And would you believe that I got in and I hit the starter and that bus started up and ran. And it ran for a long time. Obviously, it's not still running, at least not here, because that was a long time ago. But can you believe? See, this is what Jesus talked about when he talked to, to, the, about, to the Pharisees, who were dormant-type Christians, so to speak. They had not much life out. You know, you know he, he talked about this. He said, you know, the stone that was rejected the builders has become the 
chief cornerstone of the temple. In other words, he talks about the ignorance of the experts. Now, I'm, I'm speaking the way I'm speaking tonight because it is a known fact that more people in, in, the, in the body of Christ are won by new converts than anybody else. Could it be because many of us are in this dormant stage? Now, if you are in this dormant stage, it is kind of sleep. It is impossible then for God to bless you. Now, you may get anointed. I may be able to stand behind this pulpit and preach, be anointed to the point that I can't even speak good English when I speak. Well, I can't do that anyway, but I'm talking about, you know, in the spirit speaking in tongues. You follow what I'm saying? But you see, there, you've got to walk out of this pulpit. And you have to walk out of this church. And you've got to walk down the real roads of life. And it's what you do when you leave this church that determines whether you are blessed of God or not. Now, you may say, well, Pastor, how, how should I be blessed of God? You, just, you have to follow the instructions. You know, I, I use this phrase in our Christian stewardship class. and I, You know, you have to run your life by, by principles, not by feelings. And the first thing that you do as a Christian is you learn how to appropriate the blessings of God. Now, when I read that manual... They spoke of things in that manual that I had no idea what they were speaking of. Now, those mechanics go tell them. But you see, somebody had enough confidence that they just knew what they were doing, and they just didn't go back and look. And you know, this happens sometimes to professional, expert Christians. They get enough confidence sometimes. They say, well, I have to read that Bible. We know all. We know what the Bible says. We, all, we, know, we know all about speaking in tongues and clapping our hands and running the aisles and praying at the altar. And, but after a while, see, we're not doing any of it. And, and, and what I see that Jesus was saying about this, this tree was when he says, have faith in God. That's, that's all he said. Have faith in God. What he's saying is that, you know, he cursed that tree and walked by that tree to give those disciples a genuine lesson in life. And the lesson was that you may think it's not the season to be productive. But if you have faith in God, you can always produce fruit. You can always be blessed to the Lord. So the first thing you do is you learn how to appropriate a blessing. You may not know all the ins and outs in such a description. In Proverbs 3, and I've read this so many, many times in talking about singular uh, subjects, Proverbs 3, <clears throat> verse 1, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon 
the cable of thine heart, so shall thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Now, the Lord is laying out a principle in which a person can be blessed. See? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. The obedience to God should never be predicated upon or only upon understanding. Obedience to God should be based always upon trust. Do I trust God enough? And do I believe the Bible enough that when I don't understand that I'll still do it? You know, one of the most recent things to to flow through the body of Christ is just an avalanche of worldliness. And people say, well, I don't understand. You know, I've had to deal with that. I've had to deal with it here. I've had to deal with it on a larger level. People say, I don't understand. Now, I am not saying that God does not give us explanations in the Scripture because I know that He does. But I do know that there are certain things that you will never understand about God. And for me to try to tell you and try to get you to understand, the thing that I want you to understand is that you don't have to understand but you must trust God enough to know that if, the, if, if your life is finely tuned according to Scripture, that you're going to run without a lot of missing and without a lot of backfiring and burping and such. And when you do that, you'll always be productive. But sometimes what happens is we... We just don't understand. In all thy ways acknowledge the Lord, and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thine increase. It's talking about the tithe. I talk about this every now and then. The reason why I do, because I see some people suffering. You know, when I look when I look at our church book, I'm serious with you, and I see that a person is not tithing. Tithe is one tenth of your increase. Now I'm talking about tithing. I'm talking about your increase. I'm not talking about your net or anything like that. If you could stack it up where you wouldn't have to pay God hardly anything. You know, one man said, "What time do they take out?" Insurance and retirement and Social Security and federal taxes and everything, I don't have much left. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about your increase. You may say, well, I don't understand that. Well, you may not understand the IRS calling your gross your increase, but they tax you anyway, and you don't defy it. You just do it. And I will assure you, if you don't, you won't be blessed. The penalties and the interest are terrible. So, this is what the Scripture is saying. But, but you know, I, I'm, I'm serious. I told you it's going to be pastoral all the way. I can look at the books 
and see some people not really honoring God. And, and, and sometimes I've listened to day after day after day telephone calls about problems and trouble. I thought there was a direct link between their disobedience and the problems they're having. can't cut the shaft off the distributor and expect the engine to fire. You won't do that. You know what? It just won't do that. So, you should honor God. This is both an Old and a New Testament teaching. In other words, you've got to trust God enough you believe that every time you get paid that there's a certain portion of your paycheck that does not belong to you. It's the test of your fidelity to God. It's the untouchable. It's like the tree in the midst of the garden. God has always tested man in his loyalty to him by putting the untouchable there. And God says, don't touch it. If you touch it, you know what's going to happen? The curse of God will rest upon you. And when the curse of God rests upon you, it, you, you may momentarily go into dormancy, but you're, you're headed toward drying up. You know, they'll drop out of church. Now notice what verse 11 says. This is connected. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. And what he's saying is, if you don't do this, guess what's going to happen? You see the word blessing written out, and then you see after it says reverse. A reverse in, a blessing in reverse is a curse. right here, isn't it? By first allowing certain things to happen that are not favorable, to get our attention. So the first thing that happens to you or should happen to you when something, you know, unfavorable happens, you, you, need, to, you need to say, God, are you trying to get my attention? And if you are, Lord, here I am, I'm listening. I want you to talk to me, Lord. I want you to speak to me, Lord. I want you to get a hold of my heart. I want you to get a hold of my life. I want you to be real to me. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. This this is just a, I think it's just a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. Now, here's the thing that happens, you see, when you're honoring the Lord and when you're giving you're laying up treasures in heaven. Now, in Luke 12, <clears throat> Jesus talks about this. And when he says, Rather seek the kingdom of God, and these things shall be added unto you. Don't seek after the things of the world. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that you have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old. A treasure 
in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, you lay up treasures in heaven when you do what? When you turn loose of what's on this planet Earth. Isn't that something? That's how you let treasures in heaven. And you see, every now and then, God will take some of your earthly treasures away. And if there's if there's no treasures, if, if there's no assets any other place, you know what happens? You go bankrupt in a hurry, don't you? Have you ever looked at a financial report? Sister Martha is, is well aware of this. She, she does bookkeeping. But every now and then, see, I have to look at a lot of financial reports. I don't know much about them. I just know when they have money and when they don't. But I am smart enough to know this, that when I look at, at liabilities and long-term liabilities, when I look at assets, when the liabilities exceed the assets, you better watch out because that department's in trouble. Why? Because there may be a hand that reaches out and you may have to take care of that liability. Now, I just tell you this, that happened in the whole mission not long ago. I got the report and it showed they had $32,000 in savings and in the bank. Well, the reason why I requested the report because they wanted to make a big grant to Chief for Christ. And uh, uh, not cheese for Christ, but Christmas for Christ and, and such. So I said, well, let me just see your report. So they sent. So we got the money. Well, they did have the money in the bank. The only thing is that when you get down to liabilities and long-term liabilities, the problem was that, that we have all these home mission churches in our state that they have not, you know, we, we escrow money, and, and, and there's a lot of money just sitting there waiting for these men to find buildings and such so that they can call for their money. But on the financial report, see, it shows up as a liability because it's been escrowed out. You don't have to touch it, see. So I called Brother Welch back. I said, Brother Welch, we can't do this. He said, why not? We got the money in the bank. I said, but what if? I said, see, the thing about it is what you have to watch on your report is that when your liabilities exceed your assets, you're in trouble. So you got to watch how you spend. Because all of a sudden, one of these men, knowing that money is there, he may decide, well, I want to go ahead and purchase this building. He may call for his money. If that happens to four or five, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be embarrassed by calling this man back and saying, we don't have the money. And the reason why you need to lay up treasures in heaven is because you have fixed assets that cannot be destroyed. And one of these days, something may come along that will be a liability to you. And if your assets do not exceed your liability, guess what's going to happen? You don't have to guess. You're going to be bankrupt. It's just that simple. Now, you know, what I'm talking here is it's such practical. Uh, it's such a practical thing. You know, like your household, for example. If you owe more money 
than you could possibly, if you take everything you sell plus all the cash you have, and if it won't pay off your bills, you're in trouble financially. You know that? And you figure the worth of what you have, it has to be depreciated because if you pay $20,000 for your car and you drive it five years, it's not worth $20,000. Does this make sense to more people than just Sister Martha? You understand this? You know, you know what I'm talking about? And some people get into deep financial trouble and they wonder, how come God's not blessing me? Well, they're not exercising good stewardship. Because they couldn't possibly sell everything they have and, and take all the cash they have and pay off all their bills. In other words, you're just, you're just a bankruptcy case waiting to happen. And this is what Jesus is telling us. You know, every time you follow a principle of the Scripture and you do this, you may not understand, but you've got, you got, you got to trust God enough to know that, that there may be a time in which some exception to the rule will come by and you have laid up assets in heaven and the Lord promises he's going to take care of us. <clears throat> we learn to appropriate a blessing. I don't want to be a dormant Christian. I want to be a live Christian. Now, this tree was alive, but, but it didn't have fruit. But I want to be not only a live tree, but I want to be a fruit-bearing tree. What is the key? The key is don't wait past today. Do it today. Right now. Right here in the house of God. I wonder what difference would it make in Calvary Gospel Church, in, in, in productivity, in one year, if every person under the sound of my voice determined that every time I come to church, I'm going to come on fire. I don't care what's bothering me or troubling me. I'm going to come on fire. I'm going to sing like I don't have a problem. I'm going to pray like I don't have a care. I'm going to worship like Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. I'm going to adore Him and magnify Him. For the sake of the lost world, I wonder what difference it would make if we do this for one year. Praise God. Because, you know, you, you can just get to looking at your problems, get to feeling sorry for yourself. The devil can just beat you right down in the ground. You know, just drive you right in the ground. Praise God. Well, praise God. I don't want to be a dormant Christian. I want to be a live Christian on fire. Praise God. I want you to stand at this time. We're asking our praise singers to come back. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus is my Lord and my God. Oh, hallelujah. When you hear the name of Jesus spoken, there's something inside still well up within you. When you hear the testimony of someone that was recently filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, does something still stir inside of you? When you think about coming to the house of God, is there a great joy that comes to your heart? Are you that kind of person that dreads coming to church? Don't like services that are over an hour long? Wish the preacher wouldn't preach too, too long on certain subjects. Huh? 
Jesus is the sweetest name I know. This is one of the first courses I ever learned. It still is one of my favorite. Let's sing it. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. again i'd like for everyone to find a place to pray now our altars open if you'd like to come and pray at the altar feel free to do so if you're here tonight and you do not have the baptism of the holy ghost god can and will fill you with the holy ghost if you need uh prayer for your body god can heal you so as we sing this just step right out and come down to the front or pray right where you are but whatever you do let's pray let's get a hold of god Jesus is the sweetest. 